This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. An essential part of healing and restoring yourselves is the belief in the essential benevolence of life and its constant movement towards balance. Even if you cannot always see it in the moment or understand the mysteries, you are loved. To be the love you are is the return of your own true essence as light and openness. The Buddha, nature. Mind will throw all kinds of justifications at you as to why this is dangerous, and on a certain level, perhaps it's true. But dangerous to who? To deny love to yourself, others, and the world at large is to keep yourself limited. A key to all healing, especially on the mental and emotional level, is to see through the eyes of love. Valeria Telles interviews Irma K. Sawyer, the author of The Aquarian Healer, A Bright Star Empowerment. Irma K. Sawyer is an author, teacher, energy healing practitioner, and intuitive counselor from Southern California. Irma K. has been in professional practice and has taught holistic healing classes in the U.S. and abroad since 1996. Her book, The Aquarian Empath, was in the top 20 of multiple categories upon its release at Amazon in 2013. She is the author of five books, Cosmic Love, Keys for the Path of Light, The Aquarian Empath 1 and 2, The Aquarian Healer, and The Aquarian Path to Abundance, assisting clients in personal empowerment and creating optimal physical and emotional health is her passion. Meet Irma at IrmaKSawyer.com. Here is the interview with Irma K. Sawyer. In your own words, who is Erman K. Sawyer? Wow, that's a good question. I've been thinking about that lately, um, about soul mission, you know, because everyone has, we have tasks, certain tasks to perform here. First and foremost, I've, I really see myself as a communicator uh, of ideas and, and healing energy and thoughts. And I've, I've pretty much been this my entire life. I started writing when I was probably, I think I was published at first when I was seven years old. So this is something that communicating with other people and there's, there's some astrology for people that are interested in that. The astrology in my chart reflects that. So I do feel that, you know, the healing is part of the communication. So I would say healing, healing communication is what I, how I would describe a big part of my mission. I have heard that healers are the ones who heal themselves, those are considered healers. 
Do you agree with that statement, Irma? Absolutely. In my case, it's been absolutely true. I've uh, experienced some pretty strong physical challenges. I was in a very serious car accident when I was 25 years old, and that started me on the path of holistic healing, of energy work, alternative modalities. So that was a way to take something really challenging and turn it into a, an amazing blessing, not only for myself, but for others. So I, I found that that is often the case with people that they, you know, they'll have some challenges in their path to overcome. And then of course that provides them healers with wisdom and strength from that experience. So yes, I, I agree with that. And in a way, because of those experiences, um, they become guides to others so they can pave their own healing path as well. Absolutely. Experience is so, as you know, we're in an experiential realm. You know, this is how we, we learn a lot of things. So I agree with that. Yes. And when it comes to healing itself, Irma, is that a, a destination? Can we get to a point where we can say, I am healed in a human body as an individual? Is that something that's possible? That's an amazing question. And that's, that has a lot of depth, right? I actually was thinking about this today because there might be, there, there can be little baby steps to that. It, in, in a way, it's kind of hard to measure it or quantify it. I think it has a lot to do with our experience. Are we having a joyful experience? Are we having a pain-free pain free experience? You know what I mean? So I think since we're always evolving, but I think one of the ways that do we, do I think we can be healed? Absolutely. For example, say there's something that's emotionally very charged and and very painful. And we do work on that. We do healing work on that. And then when that comes up, we don't feel that that charge anymore. We don't feel the the pain or the anger or whatever the, the emotion is. So we can say, oh, well, that's in a different perspective. And I've experienced that in my own life. So I think I think the answer to that is yes. I think that that is absolutely possible. But I think also on another bigger picture, we're always you know, healing, evolving, kind of reconfiguring ourselves. And that's the beauty of being a human being. And at a deeper level, do you see everything and everyone as whole and healed? And I try not to use the word perfect, but I would say whole. Do you see everything as whole and not missing anything at that that's, deeper level? That's a great word. Yeah, I think avoiding perfect is, is a good choice. <laughs> um, I, you know, I have to laugh, you know. Um, I, I do think that this is really interesting. Some of the greatest spiritual healers of all time that I've studied, uh, one of them being a gentleman named Joel Goldsmith, he would he did thousands of healings spiritual healings in his lifetime and what he would do is when you came to him he would see you or write him he did a lot of it in writing because this was many years ago he would he would see and hold the image of this the being he's working with as being whole as as being healed and whole on of course on higher levels there is no illness right? We know that. So I think that there's a key, there's a real key there to holding this view that, that we are whole innately and, and working from there. Of course, we can have symptomology or things that we're working through, but as I think we, as practitioners, it's really important that we hold on to that key. You know, I talk about there's these little magical keys, and I think that's a very powerful one, that we are whole and complete in and of ourselves despite whatever challenges that we're going through? That's an excellent question. Thank you. So balance, do you relate balance to healing? Are they somehow interconnected? 
Very much so. Very much so. I've been really experiencing that myself personally and, and watching how if I get a little personally out of balance, whether it be with diet, whether it be not enough rest, what whatever, you know, or maybe too much mental activity, you know, there's a lot to distract us these days, of course. So I, I think very, very much, I think that all the, you know, the systems, and if you look at a human being, you're at holistic level, right? We have emotional, mental, physical, spiritual. So if one of these quadrants gets, gets out of balance, it, it, really does, it can throw the entire being off, you know, off on a little tangent. So to answer your question, absolutely balance is key. That's been, and also been my own personal experience. I love the, the word harmony for some reason, which is, is the same thing, isn't it? Beautiful word. Uh, yeah. Love it too. So let me ask you some more warm-up questions. The next one's about the purpose of the human experience. Do we have this ultimate purpose collectively or purposes are only related to the individual? That's a great question too. I think there I think there's two answers, right? I think that each individual has their own soul mission or purpose or task or whatever whatever language you'd like to use for that. But the I think a universal purpose I I feel and this is based on guidance that I've received, we have two purposes to love and to create while we're here. And of course that can take many forms, right? You can create through whether it be, you know, say somebody that makes a beautiful meal and puts a lot of love into that. That I, I like that because I also like food. I'm <laughs> right, a foodie and I like food. But, you know, that's a yeah. beautiful example of somebody that's using love to do a creative act, right? Or whether yeah. it's to write a book or mm. uh, anything creative in the world. But that's one amazing advantage that we have as human beings is we have this wonderful potential for creativity mm, that's and to true. transform and to transform the world through creativity, which is what we're doing as artists, healers, practitioners. That's that's what we're doing. So that's really fun and exciting aspect of, of being a human being, in my opinion. So what is your idea of love? I usually use the word unconditional connected to love, unconditional love. What is your understanding? What are some of the manifestations of what we call love? What is love to you? That's a very great question. It's a very deep question. I can say, based on my experiences as an Akashic Records reader, I, I'm going to answer it in this way because there's a few different ways I could respond to that. But for me personally, when I experienced high vibrations of healing, for example, that exist in the Akashic Records, there is absolutely, I think it was the Dalai Lama that said love is the absence of judgment. That's one aspect of love. Uh, when you were in these high wonderful, peaceful vibrations. There, There is no judgment there. There's no condemnation. There's no comparison, separation. It's, it's a unification, a feeling of unification and that wonderful word of yours, harmony. There's definitely a harmony there and there's a peacefulness there. And then of course it feels like home because that's who we are at our core is beings of love. So I experienced it a lot of times when people do healing work, it'll be very emotional for them in the sense that they feel that they're returning to something that they've been away from, right? They've been away from this feeling of feeling this wholeness, this, this beautiful love and peace. So it really is, is a remembering a, a, a homecoming 
to to something that we are innately. I think that was a, a way that I would describe it. And oh my God, you said something else. Akashic records. Does it have to do with? I have heard about it. I talked to a lot of healers, so I heard about the term. It has to do with the soul's purpose or the soul's mission. Is that what it Those is? are some of the things that you can see in the records. Um, of course, this is an energetic, every soul, every being has an energetic signature. So it basically, an Akashic Records reader is following and reading that signature. So you you can, what's great about it is as far as healing challenges, you can get some really wonderful insight that certainly go beyond the intellect in that level. You know, you can look at if there maybe is a trauma, if there's something going on there. But as far as those are some of the wonderful things, major things you can work with in the records. Yes, our soul's mission and the and the gifts, what what particular gifts that person has brought forward in this in this particular life. What would be liberation, freedom, finally? What would that be from your perspective, Irma? That's a really good question too. I, I think you know, there's different ways you can go with that. But I think one of the big things where human beings get caught, and I can certainly relate to this with my own challenges, and you, we talked about the absence of judgment. Uh, you know, judgment, when you look at a tone scale vibrationally, anger and judgment are, are certainly lower on, on the vibrational scale, right? With unconditional love, harmony, peace, calm being much higher. Another thing that is I found out recently that's fair was very fascinating to me is shame and guilt are very, very low on the vibrational tone scale. And this has been a, very, a really big part of my own work is, and, and my books is helping humanity release these chains of shame and guilt. And the great majority of this, of these things, they're, they're, it's an illusion. It's not, it's not even real, but ultimately, but it can be very, very powerful and very harmful and damaging to human beings. So I think that freedom really is being free from the so-called negative emotions and the illusions that they produce for from guilt and shame and fear and whatnot, because these are not, this is not the truth of who we are. So it's basically working through that or walking through it so we can uh, evolve into a higher mode of expression. Mm. Yes, again, I love that answer. <laughs> yeah, Beautiful. And it feels very real, doesn't it? The, the it shame. certainly does. It certainly does. Yes, it does. And a lot of times people shame and guilt, it might not even be theirs. It might be something that's been in, in the ancestral line, or it's just kind of, I describe it like a snowball, like rolling down the hill, it, you know, picking up speed. So yeah, it can definitely feel real, very real while we're here, for sure. True power. What is that to you, Irma? True power to me is authenticity and spiritual authenticity. It means that a person doesn't have to try to attempt to steal power or, or hijack the power of another person. Or, or, you know, we see this a lot through both individuals and institutions in society. A person that really is, uh, I've been blessed that I've been around quite a few beings that are, were very spiritually powerful. They didn't have to lord it over anybody. It was just something that they possessed. You could feel it in their presence and their entire life reflected it. 
So um, I think the more that we get to the core of who we tr- who we truly are and drop the illusion, because to me, so much of healing is dropping these illusions of who we think we are. So really who we are innately, besides being beings of love, is we are beings of, you know, intent, infinite creative power. So to me, that it really is a return to authenticity, I think is how I would respond to that question. So what do you love most about being in a human body? Oh wow, that's that's a great that's a fun question. All the um, all the wonderful things that we can experience. And I was saying before about being a foodie. I certainly enjoy that. I I love music. I, I enjoy uh, going to music musical concerts. Being able to just have joy, experience joy embodied, right? Because we're here to be embodied. So I ever I think probably everything that that. Uh, entails being able to spend you know quality time with our loved ones to experience love and joy that's that's what i love the most so you wrote the book the aquarian healer a bright star empowerment talk to me about the main inspiration and intention of writing this book I love that you chose that book out of all of my books, I have to say. That book is special to me because it is focused on healing. And I have, I've written other books and they're all, you know, metaphysical in nature. But that one was very much inspired by healing. I also, in a way, I feel that this is a kind of an homage and and a, a tip of the hat to my father who has passed. But my father was a medical doctor. And I feel that this is something that was, you know, just a little, a little shout out to him because it is in this realm of healing. And as you know, my books primarily are channeled from the Akashic Wisdom Keepers. Uh, so there's, there's, you know, channeled uh, guidance in all of my books. So that book, I, I feel that was especially helpful. And what I've been hearing from people who have read it is a lot of the folks that are attracted to my work identify as empathic and highly sensitive because I do. And that book really has some, some tips and guide guidelines and guidance for, for people that maybe their, their physical bodies are sensitive and you can't, they can't be put in like a particular, the same box as everyone else. Maybe they operate a little bit differently (laughs) because they're sensitive. And, and so I think that that, you know, one of the, the kind of subtone of that book is, is the, I, I didn't even intend this when I first wrote it, I don't think. But then as time got, went on, I was hearing from people saying, oh, I, that really connects with me as a highly sensitive person. So that, that's how I would answer that. But yeah, that book is very special to me. What are some challenges that they face, Irma, that you faced being a an empath and highly sensitive person? Great question. Um, I think a, the very big one is how do we filter out collective energy? Because empathic and highly sensitive people respond to collective energy differently than people that are not. So in my case, it was like, how can I stay grounded and centered? How can I keep myself clear to where I'm not being bogged down? This was something I experienced early on in my career as an energy worker. I was feeling like I was picking up things that I knew they didn't belong to me but so to speak but I really didn't know how to keep how to keep myself clear so I really kind of started out on a journey with various teachers and so forth so I think especially now with with so much tum, you know tumultuous activity going on in the world that um, I think that you know this I've even spoken about how maybe some of the tools that we used before were you know as empathic folks we're having to step up our, our game because it really is, is more challenging so self-care and self-love and more rest time are are, are vital, are absolutely vital to empaths and highly sensitive people, especially now. 
Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. And yes. speaking of that, um, you are a energy healer, practitioner, and intuitive counselor. Do you offer individual one-on-one sessions online and in person, or just? I I do absolutely. I'm doing all my work uh, via telephone right now. I I can do do Zoom or Skype also. Yeah. So that's great to know. This is uh, information that we can find on your website too, right, Irma? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Uh, for information, I do. I do email readings, and I also do telephone readings. You know, for people that want more in depth, uh, you know, I definitely would recommend a live reading with me, and and they can uh, you know sign up for that on the website. Grief. I do have a question about that. It, it feels that. Uh, Losing someone we love is the most painful experience we can have in a human body. So what is your message for those who are going through this kind of suffering and pain? I'm so glad you asked me that. I'm really, really glad you asked me that because there's there's a lot of loss right now, as you know. And um, whether it be humans, four-legged, you know, our animal companions, there's just, we're in a cycle where there's a lot of loss. And I have experienced a lot of loss personally. And a lot of these losses were kind of close together. So I, you know, I would say, of course, again, speaking from experience, what really helped me was first of all, knowing that they're just, these beings are not in form anymore, but they're certainly not gone. They're just gone from this realm. Right. And so I think this is an area one well, this is one area where, where folks that identify as being spiritual pe- beings, metaphysical, whatever terms you want to use, this is a, a definite advantage in this area over folks that do not identify this way. And there's actually been quite a few studies done on this. So really it's your spirituality and your love to these beings that are no longer with us, that is provides the greatest solace. And of course, with whatever your uh, connection is to the divine, I think that that's extremely, extremely important. It is a painful thing and there, there really is no way to bypass it. There is a period of, especially perhaps they left in a, in a shocking manner. There wasn't a preparation for it. These are things that, that unfortunately human beings do have to go through. But what I've counseled with people, and I know from myself that this is an area where time absolutely does help. Time doesn't help everything, but when it comes to grief, time does help. And so that's why, you know, I counsel folks to just be very, very loving to themselves and get through these, you know, these periods that are tough. Like for example, anniversary, you know, birthdays and so forth can be difficult. So, you know, schedule something. If so, if a day is coming up that, you know, you know is going to be difficult emotionally, well, then maybe you take a mental health day from work. Maybe you go to the ocean or you go out in nature or you do something that makes you feel better, makes you feel nurtured. So I think self-nurturing is absolutely key in dealing with grief. Um, that's another beautiful message yeah, that I have heard before. So many people who grieve, they say that self-love, self-care. And yes. there's no way actually out of, there's no escaping grief. It's really feeling the feelings, the way to go through that. I don't have the experience, so I can't talk from that place or even uh, imagine. I mean, I can't imagine, but it's, um, my husband has been through that and I see in his eyes even how he has changed because of it. It's incredible, right, Irma, how we connect with other human beings to the point of feeling not lost but empty in a way when they leave. 
That's so true. And you know what I would add to that I think is important to anybody who is experiencing this right now is you go, you can go through a period where you feel extremely vulnerable. I call it being in baby egg mode. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like a little baby chick, (laughs) right? You just can't, you feel extremely, you know, not protected and, and, and you feel vulnerable. So I like to share with people that that feeling passes in time. And another thing too, that's very important is it's really important to not, you know, when you're in this vulnerable place, if there's people, whether it be in your life or online or whatever it is that are abrasive, it's it's okay to to really surround yourself with support and, you know, really kind of turn down the voices that are not loving and not supportive. And that was something that a message that came through the keepers. It's okay to do that. It's okay to only want to be surrounded with, with love and nurturing when you're going through something that's that difficult. And what is the purpose of emotions, Irma? That's a, that's a good question. I, I think that emotions help us get to our truths, right? And I think that whether it, whatever it be, even the so-called negative emotions, if it's anger, if it's rage, if it's depression, you know, I think that they, there's a, there's a message there. Emotion, emotions are carriers of meaning. They're, they're message carriers, right? So it's really unlike that. It's a wise thing. And this is something that goes across kind of a lot of practices, but especially like, for example, in a boot in Buddhist mindfulness, if it comes up, you know, the, the wise lamas and rinpoches, they would ask you what, what is the message? What is this telling you? And they will have you sit with it. And I've done it. I've done it myself. I've sat with anger. I've sat with depression. And another interesting thing about it is you find that emotions are not solid. You know, depression can be very overwhelming, but if you, if you don't judge it and you don't try to, you don't resist it, and you sit with it, you'll find that it quickly transforms into something else. So I, I think that they really, the purpose is, um, you know, is to show us it's their guideposts and their, their messengers. Absolutely. Yeah, I believe that uh, feelings, they, again, it feels very, very real. And then I wonder a lot of times if um, this is what it is. It's all, it's all about feelings, isn't it, in a way? This is the realm of feelings. It it absolutely is. And the same could go, you know, for love and joy, right? The lighter emotions, those have a message for us too. You know, we get around a a certain individual or we get around to have a certain experience. You say it's a creative, like a hobby or something we enjoy doing. And we, we, you know, we feel a lot of joy and enthusiasm. I like to think of that word enthusiasm, which means when you break the word down, I love this. It initially meant filled with spirit. So when we're enthusiastic about something, you know, we're in a high vibration. We're in a higher vibration when we feel enthusiastic about something, right? So in a way, it's uh, energies, kind of different forms of energy, isn't it? Kind of dancing that dance, yeah, of manifestation. You say the heart holds light codes and consciousness of its own. It is often why we have referred to it as the wisdom eye of the human being. So emotions, we often say that, oh, it's coming from the heart, all kinds of love and even grief. Some say that grief is the price of love. So talk to me about the heart. Is that would be the same as the spirit, the soul, or somehow different? Wonderful question. When we talk about that, this was a very interesting thing that was revealed to me about the wisdom eye, because when I first started receiving that information, I wasn't really aware that 
there's an organization called HeartMath that actually studies the energy field of the heart and how the heart has its own energetic code. You know, it's quite different than other organs in the body. And so this is something that we now know scientifically, which I think is fascinating. But at the same time, the spirit, it's interesting because I think it's kind of a, a question of like, for example, we don't know exactly where consciousness exists. In, in the being, in the human being. We don't know exactly where it is. We don't know. We know that it's not in the brain because there are people that have had their lost brain function, of course, and their consciousness still exists and were, is functioning outside of their brain. So I think with the, with the heart, the heart, um, especially the high heart, which is in between the physical heart and the throat, the area of the thymus, this is considered the high heart chakra. This is an area when it becomes clear and refined that I think is, you know, I've seen it's definitely connected to intuition. It's definitely connected to the third eye, right, in the center of the forehead. So I think calling it a wisdom eye is a good is a good use of words. I think that's a good expression because once the heart becomes clearer and free of any debris, or we talked about illusions, you know, any kind of anger, or resentment, lower emotion, then we become more refined. Our intu- our intuition becomes much clearer. Because people ask me that a lot as a, pra- as a practicing in- intuitive. How do I get clearer? How can I see clearer? And it's not enough to just clear the third eye in the, in the center of the forehead. It's very important to clear the heart of resentments. Of, of anger, of lower emotion, of judgment, of anything that would block that. In the book, you say a key to all healing, especially on the mental and emotional level, is to see through the eyes of love, which, yeah, it takes clearing the walls within the heart, right? Dropping the resentment and separation. Thank you so much for being the vessel of this wisdom, this higher wisdom, this, ah, I mean, to me, it's true wisdom. It's just the most beautiful thing I can think of in a human body. So thank you for being open to that, Irma. Well, thank you so much for that. That's so kind of you to say. I appreciate it very much. And in your book, there are so many messages. I love many of them. You say, be the love you never received. Yes. That was a really challenging one for me. Yes, it <laughs> uh, was for childhood. me too. <laughs> It was for me too. Yes, I was very challenged by writing these books, which um, I'm working on another one right now. And um, it's always it's always a a journey and a process for any you know to write any book, of course. But especially no, that one. I'm I'm glad that that resonated with you. That little key that you picked right then, when when you can do that though, and you know, I'm sure there's people that are going to listen to this that, that can resonate with that. When you can do that, we talk about magical keys. That is a major magical key. That is a key that will transform your entire life. And I know that to be a fact because I'm living it. Yeah, me too, Armin. Yes, beautiful. I love that. So I recommend people to do that any opportunity they can. (laughs) Yeah, it's a practice, isn't it? It is. It is a practice. And in your book, you talk about dropping identification with the uh, the false ego-driven self. Is that also a practice or this is a realization, a moment in time where we realize that we have been, we've been driven by fear 
and then we change direction, the shift happens? That's a beautiful question. And I think that that's something that's probably open to individuals. People have different experiences of that. I, I, I know in my own kind of awakening journey that there would be times where I would go, okay, I'm really, this is not who I am right now. I think everybody can relate to that in their life where they respond in a way and they go, wait, that feels really foreign to who I am. And these are these moments of awareness to go. It, it's key, of course, that we recognize it, right? You can't, we need to recognize behaviors and energy so we can shift them. So I think that there's kind of two, two paths to that because I think that all of these little awakenings add up to a larger awakening, ultimately. You know, I think that all the work, like none of the work is ever lost. You know, we have we have this thing, we overcome whatever it is, whether it's an anger, whether it's a judgment, whether on the other hand, it could be another another energy where this is something I was like when I was younger. It's a self-deprecation. It's a lack of self-love or a lack of self-esteem. I think a good way to describe this with ego is I studied with a spiritual teacher for many years. And when he used to speak in the hall, when I was, when I first started, I would sit in the very back of the room. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't want anyone to see me. I didn't feel worthy of being there. And then I also had went through a period where I used to want to be in the, in the first or second row. And then I, years later, I kind of just sat wherever there was a seat. And I was okay with that. So I think that's kind of there, you know, there's two sides of that coin, either being fluffed up or feeling that we're less than. And both of those are pretty much missing the mark, right? When we're just who we are and we're just radiating our being, we don't have to be in the front row. We don't need to be in the back row, right? We can just sit wherever there's a seat. (laughs) Oh, I love that too. (laughs) What a beautiful, ah, yeah, that's another amazing deep message, right? It's what you said earlier, feeling at home anywhere, just um, flowing with life, right, Irma, and trusting that. Yes, very high beings that when you watch them, when, you, when you're around people that are very realized, that they're very spontaneous. That's one thing you'll notice about very realized people. And they, they, literally, they are flowing in the moment. They are truly in the moment. And that is very transforma- transformational to be in that space because it really inspires you to be, to be more that way. And what, what's keeping us from being in the moment? Judgments, fears, all of, you know, bl- all these things that can block the flow. So again, right, it's dropping those things and being more present. Yeah. As a goal. Yes, yes, yeah. D- dropping. That's another word I, I hear. I'm hearing from you a lot in the book and, and you're saying again, in a way, it's unlearning, undoing what we have been conditioned that's to be. That's a great, right? undoing and unlearning is key. That's wonderful word choice. That's, that's it. It's an unlearning for sure. And in your book, you have, there's a session that I really like to use, the ways to increase one's personal frequency. And you have 12 uh, ways to do that. One that really caught my attention, um, laughter, of course, number six. um, (laughs) (laughs) That's light. (laughs) Yeah. And then 12, um, self-acceptance and dropping the need for perfection. Yes. That's a big one. Would you say that these um, ways to increase personal frequency also helps us with finding balance and being physically healthy? 
consent. 100%. Absolutely. And I think another little added benefit to that is when you practice it, the keepers, you know, in, in my books, they talk about widening the road is an expression that they use, which I love. And so th- this means when the road is wider, that more beings can, can get on the road with us. So w- when you're doing this work, you're not only doing it for you, you're widening the road for your brothers and sisters to join us in this journey and towards self-transformation and realization and love. So I think that's another added benefit, side benefit to doing, working with those steps and, and raising your own frequency. We're connected, right? How could we not help, help other people by doing this, doing this work? So I love that part of it too. That's so true because if everything is energy, then that's what happens is uh, energetic resonance. So yes. I kind of don't like discriminating, like judging the, the levels, the energy types, uh, you know, higher yes. and lower. Yes. But um, it makes sense when we have this uh, very light, playful, like you said, spontaneous kind of energy flowing within us. And that really makes sense that that would expand to others, that other people would feel that too and, and get to be more like them. It kind of um, bypasses the intellect, Yes, it does. And I I think another important thing to to add, which people over over time that have read my books have commented that this has really touched them, is that for every person that overcomes a trauma, that overcomes something very difficult in their life, whether it be – it could be a physical challenge, an emotional challenge – Again, this goes to widening the road. This creates more energetic resources for people that are having that same experience that they can draw from that. And that's another really beautiful thing. And I'm with you. I don't really like to label and get into that. But, you know, I think freer, you know, when we're freer and more flowing and these words that you've used, I, they're beautiful words. And and I think that's a great way to describe it. But that's another benefit is all the work that we're doing on ourselves, we're doing it for others also. Yes. Yeah. Our healing is collective healing. Yes. We're almost at the end. Wow, I have so many questions for you. Another one just came in. <laughs> yeah. well, you can have me on again. Oh let's, my God. let's do this yeah. again. I know, that's fun. Um, about increasing the energy, the frequencies and all. So what I think about is um, this. Do we need to be aware of trying too hard <laughs> to keep the energies, the frequencies higher? Or this is something that is spontaneously that comes to us almost like naturally? That's a great question because you can try too hard. We can try too hard. Right. And then it's, it's quite the opposite, right? The results. It, yeah, if we try. Yes, right. it is. It really, you can try too hard in that area and lots of areas of life. Um, I think that we all, we all know our own flow and, and, you know, with days when we're, you know, not feeling as well and so forth. So I think there's a thing, it's almost like I read something a while ago, um, a wise person said about the body, you tend to the body, you know, because of course, but you don't fret about it. You don't spend all your energy worrying about things. You do what you can, right? We do what we can and we lovingly tend to our our, you know, our embodiment, but at the same time, can you, you can, we can certainly try too hard and be obsessed about certain things. And that takes us away also from where we need to be. So it, it is tricky. That's, you, you know, we spoke about balance earlier. It's really finding a balance of, 
okay, how can I take care of myself, but not be so overwhelmed and, and overwrought mentally with, you know, being too involved in that. So I do, I definitely think there's a sweet spot <laughs> of, of care, but without going overboard. True. And the body's yes. a very good reference for that. That's true. A grounding yes. reference. So, wow, how lovely to talk to you, Irma. Yeah, I could be here forever. <laughs> I'd love to talk so, to you. Yeah. This was so much fun today. Thank you so much Thank for your you. invitation. Thank you for your presence. So we're almost at the end. I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? What I would like to add is I would just like to thank everybody that's here right now. This isn't in my book, but I, I feel guided to, to share this. I really honor everyone that's embodied in these times, these challenging times right now. And I really like, this is a message that keeps coming through from guidance that I'd like to share to this, this audience is that your work, your life is important. Your spark of light and what you're adding is very important. And I know there's days that we don't feel like it and that's okay. That's, that's part of it, but it's really important for people to, you know, remember their purpose. You, if you're embodied, you have a purpose here and you're appreciated. So that, that's the message that I'd like to share today. Thank you so much, Irma, uh, for what you do, how you do it. This very free presence <laughs> put a smile on my face. It's interesting how that... I'm and smiling it, a lot too. Yeah, <laughs> it's the it's energy, nice. right? <laughs> it's nice. The resonance. So what is another word for life? What is another word for life? Let me think about that for a moment awareness. I got two words when you asked me that. I got breath and I got awareness. And awareness, loving awareness and breath. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving, losing the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? That's a great question too. I've been doing a practice of telling people I love them all the time more. Yeah, yeah that sounds good. <laughs> and um, I remember I saw a meme that said, let's start the practice of telling our friends that we love them all the time. And they said, it doesn't matter if it's weird or something like that. And I thought, you know, I love that. I think that's great. So um, I'm working on that now because of course we don't know when we're going to leave the body, right? So for me, that I, with that awareness, and um, of course, the Buddhists have this pra a practice called the awareness of death, where they actually—that's part of the thing where you need—you're aware that you could leave your body. So, how would you change your behavior? And I think for me, it's to be as loving as possible. And the one thing I thought to share with you when you're asking about life, this is something that came through the keepers, but even though it's it's more ancient than that, it's a, a Hindu teaching, but there's three aspects. There's Sat, Chit, Ananda, infinite consciousness, infinite awareness, and infinite bliss. This really when, like, it's the threefold aspect of soul is Sat, Chit, Ananda. Yeah. Uh, breathing deeper into that. Yes. Yes, it's beautiful. There's a lot to that, Satchitananda. You could just sit with each one of those pieces for a while, and there's a lot, there's a lot there. <laughs> for, if anyone wants to explore that deeply, more deeply, Satchitananda, infinite consciousness, infinite awareness, infinite bliss, right? Because that's who we are at, at our core. So thank you so much for that again, for being a messenger of light, of love, of unconditional love, really. Thank you, Irma. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? 
Thank you. ErmaKSawyer.com, which I know you'll you'll be linked with this, um, with the interview link. Uh, all of my books are at Amazon. I'm also online at smashwords.com. If people want a digital digital copies of my books, they can be found there. I am going to be going back to some in-person events. I, I lead a one-day retreat in Sedona. I'll be doing one again in uh, next year. I do those yearly. So um, I recommend that people get on the mailing list and I only send out something like once a month. I don't bombard people with a lot of stuff uh, to get on the mailing list, which has all of my upcoming classes and events. I, I do teach um, online classes on a regular basis. Also, if anyone's interested in that, we'd love to have you. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Armin. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Irma K. Sawyer and her work, please visit IrmaKSawyer.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>